this point are wondering, what am I doing here? Now, I don't mean that just generally in life, but what, what are we doing in, in Compline? So, Tim, if I can get the PowerPoint up, there's, there's three things, really, uh, that I want to explore uh, with us tonight. It's Christmas, so you won't be surprised. These are kind of classic uh, Christmas things that we're going to be thinking about. We're going to think about nose breathers, <laughs> just the standard. And we're going to think about some morons uh, as well. There's plenty of these uh, tonight. Uh, and uh, pre-realizations as well. So, just, just the usual Christmas stuff. Does that sound okay? So we'll start with, we'll start with this one. Nose breathers. There's a time when the Apostle Paul, whose words we're going to be thinking about in just a moment, goes to a city and he can see that they're worshipping all these false gods. And one of them is called the unknown God. He stands in front of this statue and he says, you worship the unknown God. You're ignorant of who it is and what it is you're worshipping, but I'm going to make him known to you because in him we live and move and have our being. talks about the God who holds every breath in his hand. I don't know if you've um, ever been taught to breathe. I mean, I, I presume we're all breathing. We've all survived this far, and we're all here. But uh, a couple of years ago, it came home to me that I'd been breathing wrong my whole life. So just humor me for just a moment. If you could place your two hands together on your belly so that your middle fingers are touching each other. Now, you really are wondering what am I doing here, aren't you? But, but just go with me for just a moment. Just take a big, deep breath in. Now, the idea is that there's a muscle, an abdomen, which is meant to expand when we breathe in. So your hands are meant to come apart, to fill your lungs with air. And then when you breathe out, that muscle goes in. Oh, if you're still breathing in, you can breathe out now, yes. <laughs> breathe out, and, and that allows you to breathe. It's something that we do instinctively. Nobody teaches a baby how to breathe. It's something they instinctively do. Interestingly, it's something that they do perfectly well. They don't have to be taught this. It's only, only as we get older and get lazier, we, we, we breathe wrongly. But breath is, is so important, isn't it? We were singing in that song, from life's first cry to final breath. Breath somehow encompasses life for us, doesn't it? The Bible begins with the story of how God created the heavens and the earth. And having created this, this incredible, perfect world, he then comes down and carves out of the dust of the earth uh, this human being, this magnificent creature. And then it says he gets down and he breathes into the man's nostrils. And the man becomes a living soul. It's interesting, isn't it, even now that when we resuscitate someone and we breathe into them, it's called the kiss of life. It's an intimate thing, isn't it? It's a tender thing. It's a picture of how close God wants to be to his creation. He gets down in the dirt and breathes into us. That breath that we just took and the breath that you're taking now without being aware of is a gift of God. He gives us life and breath and everything else. So how do we use the breath that God has, has given to us? 
It's interesting, if we breathe in, uh, our, our brain fills up with oxygen. We're able to, to think better. Uh, when I can't breathe, and when you can't breathe, your whole body begins to panic, doesn't it? Uh, and because of that, there's a learned behavior that when we panic, we often take very short, shallow breaths. Sometimes when people are panicking, you can see them doing this, can't you? Trying to clear their neck or their airwaves. Now, there's nothing stopping them breathing, but that's how it feels when we're, when we're panicking, because we're made to breathe deeply, and we're made to, to breathe well. I'd like us to take a moment to, to use our breath in prayer. Uh, it's an ancient practice. It's just another way that we can, with our bodies, demonstrate something that we're asking God for, in the same way that we stand, in the same way that we might lift our hands or, or kneel. Uh, breath, breath praying uh, is just a way that we can encounter God. I'd love to read just this short passage here. It says, Breathing might seem like a ridiculous focus for prayer, yet most of us do not breathe in a manner conducive to experiencing God. We restrict our breath, often taking shallow, quick gulps of air. Yet Scripture presents breath as the fundamental met metaphor for the Spirit of God, suggesting the breath's special significance. It is through breath that God gives us life. It's through breath that Jesus bespoke, uh, bestows the Spirit. So we're just going to practice for a moment breathing, and then I'm going to lead us in a, in a breathing prayer. Now, if at any point you get distracted, and I'm not going to suggest that you stop breathing, uh, but you, you miss the rhythm and you miss the flow, don't worry. It is a breathing prayer, but the praying part is far more important than the breathing, so just, just focus on the words. Uh, but Tim, if we can play the first video, what I'd love us to do is just to breathe in for five seconds through the nose and then breathe out through the mouth for five seconds. Now, I'll warn you now, it takes longer than you think, so you will need to breathe in and out quite slowly for this, okay? So we'll give this a go. Hopefully, we'll all pass this test. So let's breathe in together. One, two, three, four, five, and out. One, two, three, four, five, and again, in. One, two, three, four, five, and out again. One, two, Three, four, five. Do me a favor, just turn to the person next to you and make sure they survived that. Is everyone okay? Okay, so we're going to use this rhythm of breathing in. And throughout this prayer, we're going to be thinking about the words that the angel brings to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy for all people. So those are the three phrases that we're going to use. And the prayer will be, I release something to you and I receive something from you. So just focus on, on these words as I lead us in prayer, uh, and let's breathe this rhythm of receiving and releasing to God tonight. my independence 
song called uh, Welcome to Our World. It was released around uh, Christmas time and I think we've got some of the lyrics on, on the screen. Uh, the one of the verses says this, tears are falling, hearts are breaking, how we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting. Welcome holy child, welcome to our world. Fragile finger sent to heal us, tender brow prepared for thorn, tiny heart whose blood will save us, unto us is born, unto us is born. So wrap our injured flesh around you, breathe our air, walk where we have trod, rob our sin and make us holy, perfect Son of God, welcome to our world. I remember hearing that song, and there was so much about it that struck me, but the thought that this God of all creation would breathe our air, this God who doesn't need anything, who exists in this uh, awesome atmosphere of perfection and holiness and light and glory, would suddenly be dependent on oxygen, would have to breathe for the first time as we've been doing tonight, uh, would have air to breathe, our air to breathe, would become human. So we've been thinking about nose breathers, and uh, as promised, I want to think about morons. There's a passage in Colossians where Paul is writing to the church, and you'll forgive me tonight for not going into the, all the context, but there's one verse I want to focus on. Paul writes, so then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. 
See to it that no one takes you captive by hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Fullness. We've been thinking recently, haven't we, in our Sunday mornings about having life in Jesus in all of its fullness. And we'll come on to some of that next week. But this phrase, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Or if you want it literally in the Greek, the word order is, is slightly different. Uh, for all the fullness of deity bodily dwells in Christ. So, morons. I'm talking, of course, about oxymorons. Um, I'll give you the, uh, somebody guessed. I knew somebody would guess. If I left it up there long enough, somebody would guess. Uh, a definition of oxymorons, you could put it this way uh, if you wanted to. It's a figure of speech that just juxtaposes concepts with opposing meanings within a word or phrase that creates an ostensible self-contradiction. Uh, an oxymoron can be used as a rhetorical device to illustrate the rhetorical point or to reveal a paradox. We got that? Basically, an oxymoron is, if you can think back to GCSE English, or slightly before probably, it's taking two opposite ideas and, and throwing them together. Sometimes people will say, that's old news. It's an oxymoron. We know what it means, but it can't, it can't be news and old. Or sometimes people will say something like, it was my only choice. Well, those two words are actually opposite of each other, but we, we know what people mean. We could probably think of a, a whole other bunch of oxymorons. But in this verse where Paul talks about Jesus, there are these two op completely opposite ideas. All the fullness of the deity. Now, in Greek, there isn't a higher word than this, theos, where we get our word theology from. God, in all of his glory, in all of his splendor, all of his creative power, all of his perfection, God, theos. And then this word bodily, which is at the total opposite scale. It's the word soma uh, in the Greek. It just literally means the flesh, the earthly life, the, the physical life, the thing of, about us that depends on oxygen, among other things. And he puts these two things together. He doesn't just say theos and soma, God and bodily. He says the fullness of God. It's the word in, in Greek from which we get the word plethora from it. It doesn't just mean the amount. It also means the quality of something. All of God. Not just an aspect or a part or a way of God. All of God rests in Christ. I remember when I was um, studying in, in Bible college, one of the big things that happened at the time was two big things. Uh, one was that a, a new Batman movie came out, which we were all really excited about. That is relevant, by the way. Uh, and because of that, a church in Cardiff put up a big, massive poster, and they'd done some design on it, and it kind of looked like the Batman logo, but if you look close enough, it was actually Jesus' face. And underneath, they'd put Godman. And there was these huge conversations in college about whether this was appropriate or not. But that is what Paul is saying. Jesus is the God-man, God and man in perfect unity. 
The other thing I want to talk to us tonight about is prealizations. Anybody know what this word means, prealizations? No, you won't do because I just made it up. Um, it's basically, you know those moments in life when something's happening and you're quite oblivious to it and then you suddenly realize, oh, that's, that's talking about me. I've got to do something about this. A prealization, a personal realization. Uh, I remember years ago when I was growing up in church, I loved to play the keyboard and um, started to write, write some songs. And uh, somebody from church came to see us one day and they had this amazing keyboard. And you could record your little part on it and then you could add layers to it and drums and all sorts. And I thought this thing was amazing and they were talking me through how you did it all. And then at the end they said, uh, no, this is for you. You can have this. And I just had, it hadn't occurred to me at all that this keyboard uh, was for me. I was blown away by it. <coughs> and the thing that I want us to grasp tonight is that the fullness of God dwells in this fragile, tiny, vulnerable little bodily form for you. He did that for you. I want us just to have a few moments just to dwell on that because some things can be said, but it takes a lot longer for them to kind of trickle down from our heads uh, into our hearts. And so here in this little manger uh, in the center of the room, and you may have to kneel or stoop to take something out of it, but that's perhaps part of, of this tonight. Uh, there are these, these simple pieces of paper. There's some pens on the, the tables as well. And if you open them up, we have this verse for in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And I want you to sit and, and spend some time thinking about, can you describe that in an, in an oxymoron? Can you think of two opposite words that capture something of what Jesus has done? Infinite and yet fragile. Unknowable and yet personal invisible and yet tangible. Sometimes when we pray, it's just an overflow of passion, isn't it? It's just an expression of, of need or desire. Other times, we, we want to offer something to God. Well, this is our chance tonight to offer a prayer of praise and thanks to God. And then, very, very simply, on the front of the piece of paper, if you fold it back up, there's a little part where it says, to. And I want you to, to write your name there, to personalize this as a way of just reflecting on he did all of that. And then he went to the cross and gave his final breath for me. I'll pray and then there'll be some music that plays. And when you're ready, please come and take one and, and a pen and sit and write your prayer and write your thanks to God. But let me just pray as we do this together. Well, God, some things are bigger than words. And I thank you for this gift, for this offering, for your advent, your coming, your arrival as one of us. And I pray, Lord, that you'd open our eyes and our minds and our soul, our very being to what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, that you hear 
the cry of every heart. And that as we sit and think and write and pray, you are here to receive that. So Lord, would you meet us in this simple act? And would you help us to receive something of what you've done for us? In Jesus' name, amen.